imaging is a bit of an umbrella term that refers to technologies that we can use to visualize life or materials and interactions. So from a biology side, that refers to either biomedical imaging, such as MRIs and CT scans and X-rays, but often, and in my case, I use it to refer to microscopy. Hello, and welcome back to Africa Science Focus, the show that keeps you up to date with the latest tech, innovation, and science news. I'm Michael Kaloki, and I'm your host this week. Africa's health, environment, and food systems have long struggled with limited resources for R&D, that's research and development. But these fields could be transformed with better access to some insightful pieces of equipment, microscopes. This week, we investigate how microscopy is being used for Africa's development, and we get an inside look at the new African Bioimaging Consortium, a network of people bringing together biology, microscope hardware, and imaging software. The basic principle of microscopy is uh, magnifying an object so that you get an image which is big enough to see the finer details of that object. Here's Muturi Njoka from the Kenya Medical Research Institute. So why are microscopes so important and what are they used for? Back to you, Muturi. Microscopy and imaging can benefit Africa in diagnosis of various parasitic diseases and also cancer and drug discovery, like assessing the efficacy of therapeutic interventions in animal models. Upscaling imaging will reduce dependency of, on drugs and uh, knowledge outside Africa. And this will make Africa to manage its health sector better and more effective with lesser costs. And what we need to do is to move a notch higher and uh, acquire more power of microscopes than we do use here in Africa for diagnosis and get the training on the techniques on what those microscopes can do. And uh, I am a member of Bio African Bioimaging Consortium. And I believe that it can be revolutionizing in, in, in life science research across the Africa continent. Here's our reporter, Michael Baruti, able to catch up with some of the leadership team of the new African Bioimaging Consortium. Okay, yes. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so my name is Dr. Karen Jacobs. I am what is called an imaging scientist. Um, so that can mean a number of different things. But for me, it means I have a background in basic... Um, cell biology and biochemistry research, as well as infectious disease research. But uh, my passion is how microscopy can be leveraged to drive discovery in basic research. Karen Jacobs is a Chan Zuckerberg Initiative Imaging Scientist at the University of Cape Town and the Welcome Center for Infectious Diseases Research in Africa. 
Dr. Jacobs helped set up the newly established network of life science researchers who are using microscopes to examine life in Africa. I feel like this is something completely new. Sure. So what is it? What is imaging? In my case, I use it to refer to microscopy, and that can range from a relatively simple compound light microscope to very high-end advanced what we call fluorescent and electron microscopes. So it, it's incredibly powerful because it allows you to literally see what's going on. You can see interactions, you can see movement, you can see size and shape. So you can see how the world interacts with itself and how if you perturb it, how it responds. Hmm. So in an African context, what can it actually do for Africa? So imaging, because of its capacity, can be leveraged in almost any field of life science research, from um, plant biology, crop science, uh, studying crop health. You can use microscopes to screen for different molecules targeting different diseases. Uh, obviously, Africa carries a huge burden of diseases, both infectious and non-communicable, and it can drive discovery in both of those fields from a basic perspective, sort of really understanding mechanisms and really what we refer to as basic foundational um, science to applied science, sort of driving more medical and clinically related um, discoveries. And also it can be used in a clinical setting. Uh, it's already widely used for so, sort of uh, histopathology and diagnosis. All right. So um, for starters, before we talk about how, how, how much challenge can it pose to imaging um, what is scientific colonialism, really? So this is a term that has come about in, in regards to Africa's history um, and the fact that often our resources, whether that's natural resources, natural products, as well as human resources, have historically been taken advantage of by other parts of the world. And while there is a drive, and it's a good drive, for more wealthy regions and countries to put back into the continent without building capacity on the ground in Africa and allowing scientists to do the more complex work on site. What that often amounts to is Africans exporting our natural resources. And from a scientific perspective, that also includes interesting and complex samples to our um, wealthier collaborators in Europe or the USA. So there are pockets of imaging excellence um, in different regions throughout the continent, often with a lot of support from global funders and partners to their credit. But to a large extent, because imaging sits at the intersection of complex biology, complex engineering and complex optics, Often there's a perspective that it's just too complicated for us to implement. It's too expensive, it's inaccessible, and we should leave it to our better resourced collaborators. What that means is we could come back to um, our samples get shipped overseas. We don't get to actually see and visualize the power of the imaging. We don't drive interest. We don't drive capacity here. And we're stuck in this cycle where if African researchers do want to actively engage in imaging, uh, they need to go somewhere else. And that feeds our brain drain problem.
to magnify the potential benefits that microscopes could bring to areas like health and agriculture, many of Africa's research facilities need support so they can develop supervision standards and deliver training and improve supply chains and other critical infrastructure. So what we're trying to do with what we've called the African Bioimaging Consortium is uh, connect the African research community. Our take is it is open to anyone. It, diversity is critical in research as in all parts of life, and the world is slowly becoming more and more cognizant of that. And that's critical in research as well. Africans will have different ideas, think differently, approach problems differently. And if we're not actively involved in that process at all levels, it deprives both us and the research process of our potential. Our focus is bolstering the African research community for research in Africa. We have a list of about 70 African researchers uh, from about 15 different African countries. Um, and that includes um, Ghana, Senegal, Mali, um, South Africa, Botswana, Namibia, Nigeria, Kenya, Egypt. And I would like to see, instead of just three or four pockets of research imaging excellence throughout the continent, we've got 15 countries, let's say let's have 15 pockets. When it comes to malaria, for example, the wider use of microscopes could reduce the number of incorrect diagnoses, which could save valuable malaria drugs from being prescribed when they're not needed. Dr. Alassane Meng is a researcher at the Pasteur Institute of Dakar, a biomedical research center in Senegal. He tells Africa Science Focus how imaging and microscopes are helping Africa science teams to get a clearer view of the problems they're investigating. And then we're asking questions like, what are the genetic diversity of parasites circulating? Artemis in resistance, which, which is a problem uh, not only in Southeastern Asia, but it's threatening all the efforts that we did over the last years to reduce the malaria burden. I'm also an artist, I'm running a, lab, a music label. So arts and uh, science could go together, that's what I'm doing. In if I say you have um, um, a chance of actually talking to African scientists and, 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 and somebody asked you to convince them to join the initiative, to join the consortium, to, to understand more about microscopy and why they should be excited about imaging, what is, what is one thing that you literally tell them? First of all, imaging is a kind of art and uh, we are, you know, fully equipped to develop any kind of art in Africa. We are artists. That's the first thing. And we could use that art to kind of understand, you know, uh, relevant mechanisms of all these pathogens. Now, what is interesting about this is like at the same time, we're going to address key questions uh, related to health development and then, you know, accessibility and, and, and treatment as well. Uh, we've seen it with COVID-19 and uh, here now we're talking about, you know, the, one of the questions we should ask and we, that is still not clear is why we have this immunity against COVID-19. Microscope could help for that. So the excitement for my colleagues is like, let's develop this platform, let's get connected, and then let's do the work. All goal is like to become independent and then be able to acquire uh, microscopes here. But before then, uh, we could uh, create like links so that you know we exchange and then develop like collaboration 
in Africa by Africans. Yeah, Pan-Africanism, I like that. Michael Baruti, finishing our report on microscopy and imaging. And now, it's time for our Q&A segment. This week's question comes from Kampala. Hi, Africa Science Focus. My name is Ivan Tendo from Chisasi College School, Kampala, Uganda. We learned about greenhouse effect. That's all about climate. And we ask ourselves, like, how does that climate affect the whole, ca- the whole earth? And it doesn't affect the countries that border those ends of Asia. And it affects those countries that are in the United States and Africa. Hi, Ivan Kampala, Uganda. Let me start by saying that it is not true that countries in the Asia have not been affected by climate change. We have Vietnam, Philippines, Bangladesh and many others as some of the countries in the top 10 of those who have been affected by the adverse effects of uh, climate change. And that is according to the Global Climate Index, which you can uh, always cross-check when you've got some free time. You know, climate change is a global phenomenon. And in this case, what it means is that all countries uh, must be affected in one way or another, caused by natural factors and also anthropogenic uh, or man-made actions, and uh, which uh, facilitated the release of um, greenhouse gases, such as uh, methane, carbon dioxide, and many others. So all countries usually contribute to climate change in one way or another, but what differs may be our contribution levels. So what happens is that highly industrialized nations contribute a lot more than least developing countries. So this is where the polluter must pay principle usually comes in, saying that the highly industrialized countries must compensate you know, the least developed countries. Many thanks to Matthews Malata, the president of the Association of Environmental Journalists in Malawi, for answering this week's listener question. If you have a question that you want answered, get in touch. Send a voice message via WhatsApp 2-254-799-042-513 and you too could be featured on Africa Science Focus. If you liked our show, You can subscribe and download more episodes on your favorite podcast app. Today's program was produced by Harrison Lewis. The editors were Fiona Broom and Jackie Opara-Fatoye, with reporting from Michael Baruti. Africa Science Focus is produced by SciDevNet and distributed in association with your local radio station. I'm Michael Kaloki. See you again next week. This program was funded by the European Journalism Centre through the European Development Journalism Grant Programme with support from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation.